The ALCS is underway as we are just one week away from the World Series and the title that all of these contenders have been chasing for the past few weeks. Matt, we're looking at four teams remaining in this wild card race. Matt, we know Phillies, Padres going at it right now. Padres up 7-4. They have scored seven unanswered runs. Matt, what happened to the Phillies in this game? And I saw that they happened to bring in Brad Hand, who has struggled in this postseason. And Austin Ola got hit hard towards the back end of his start. He went two, three innings strong. And then after those two home runs from Bell and Drury, he kind of fell apart. He did get six strikeouts. But Matt, if we're looking at this game, we know Phillies take game one. Padres, it was looking good. It was looking that the Phillies, Phillies were going to take game two as well. So the country's kind of the Padres kind of exploded. So, what's going on here? Yeah, you know this is the thing with the Phillies. It's it's been the, the bane of the Philadelphia's fan fan existence for years, and now we're seeing it in October. It's just that bullpen. Can you depend on it in key situations? As we're seeing this afternoon, it is not happening. You mentioned, I mean, for Nola, he was cruising. Kim got a hit, but, you know, he responded by getting Grisham out. And then Nola got that hit. And, again, that's kind of – it's the fun thing of brother against brother. And, honestly, it feels like Austin Nola's hit is really what's kind of knocked his brother out of the ballgame. Not immediately, but then it just – it was a downpour. Then it was Profar. Then it was a Soto double. And after that, it was like, okay, listen, we got to go to Brad Hand. And again, Brad Hand, he has a great career, but we've seen him really be on that downslide in the past season or two. He came in, he hit Cronworth, then he gave up the single to Drury, and then it just all fell apart for him. It just kept, it was the implosion that Philadelphia couldn't afford, and now it's a 7-4 game. And because here's the dangerous thing if you're Philadelphia. The advantage you have in this series is you have Wheeler and you have Nola. And that worked great in a three-game series. It worked great in a five-game series. But now we're in a seven-game series, and you're about to go back to Philadelphia with you're going to lose the pitching advantage. And, well, hey, listen, maybe you get Nola, you get Wheeler back on the mound for a game six or a game seven. But then we're back in San Diego. So this is where that seven-game series and the Phillies' lack of dependable guys you really trust in game four, game three, that's where we're kind of worried, concerned here about, okay, is this is this going to be the Achilles heel that comes back to bite them? And that's why blowing this game was so huge because instead of having a 2-0 lead headed back home, now it's all evened up. Padres get to go to just their wealth of pitching. That's all going to start with Joe Musgrove. And I think that has to be the concern here if you're Philadelphia. So I think one thing that kind of stands out to me is we saw today Drury and Bell both go back-to-back, and they have combined for five RBIs today. But one thing to note is they've both been relatively quiet this postseason. And for Josh Bell, that was a big move by San Diego. I think, it obviously, it was Juan Soto was the centerpiece of that trade. But 
you take a guy like Josh Bell who hit 311 in the first half and then he plummeted to 194 in the second half. It kind of surprises me that you know he's having the postseason that he had and then uh, this game he kind of breaks out. So I think that's a big X factor X factor for them. You know, guys like Josh Bell and Jury, those are kind of big guys that you need to rely on. And although Jury did have the season, did have one of the biggest seasons of his career, he totally broke out. I think for Josh Bell, he just needs to put bat on ball because we know the power that he has and we know what he can do. So I think that's something to take note of. If he can get hot, if those two guys can stay hot, it won't just be Soto and Machado who are contributing. It'll also be those five and six guys. And additionally, Trent Grisham and Nola have been the MVPs of, and were the MVPs of the ALDS. Trent Grisham had a spectacular ALDS. And, you know, his regular season was not what he wanted. He hit 191. And that was pretty much the worst average among major league, major leaguers of players who played out the entire regular season. So I think this is kind of big for him. This is kind of the peak of his season. He didn't have the regular season that he wanted, but I think that's big for him. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you mentioned with Josh Bell, like, listen, obviously when people talk about how he got to San Diego, it's so to trade. But, and, you know, there's some frustration with him. There's a thing of, oh, he, you know, he's been a disappointment. But this dude is also a stud. And if he gets back to the form we saw in D.C., he's he's going to be a difference maker in October. Because, listen, this is a dude who we're not just talking about the power. Because, yeah, he hit 27 home runs in 2021. That also came with an 823 OPS. And then this season with the Nationals, he was slashing 301, 384, 493 with an 877 OPS. So whether it's power, whether it's just driving in those runs with a high average, if we're going to see that Josh Bell in October and moving forward, and this is a game that finally sparks him, San Diego becomes such a more dangerous team because while they don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. with Machado, with Soto, with Bell, with Groneworth, they ha- they're going to have the depth, they're going to have the clutch hitters, and this team just, that's where you see, hey, this is a San Diego team that can go to the World Series if these guys are clicking. And all it takes is one game. And we might look back and say, hey, that inning, that's where it all changed. My Yankees are starting off 737 game one. Kind of nervous here. Don't know what's going to happen. We're going up against a tough Houston lineup. A tough bullpen, an electric, an electric starting rotation. So I kind of wanted to analyze these two lineups and compare them and the differences between them. So let's break this down. Judge slides down to two, so Torres will grab the one spot. He's at second, Judge. We know Judge has struggled in this postseason, only two. He's hit two home runs. He struggled. And in the postseason, he's last 226, 328, 503 as a career postseason hitter. He has hit, th- he did hit the 13 home runs with an 
80-31 OPS. Next, we got Rizzo, who has been arguably the hottest Yankee in the postseason, 294, 429, 529. Then four, we got Stanton. He only made 38 appearances in outfield. But if you take a look at his stats when he when he the performance when he played in the outfield, I think a healthy Giancarlo Stanton is an MVP, MVP caliber player. Um, that's kind of where he peaks when he played. He only played four games in right field. Most the majority of his starts were in right field. So when he was in right field, he slashed two fifty eight, three seventeen, five thirty one with 11 home runs compared to a DH when he DH'd where he did hit 19 home runs, but his OPP was only 290. Fifth, we got Donaldson. I'm kind of worried about Josh. He's only trouble. Seems to be making a ruckus everywhere he goes. I'm a bit nervous about him. But next, we got Matt Carpenter, who is, is making his first postseason start in 2022. Yankee fans have to be excited about that. He personally, I think he's the X factor of this ALCS, not just for himself, but for the Yankees as a whole. Because if you've seen how he performed in the regular season, you know what he can accomplish and what he can achieve. For Justin Verlander, it really just comes down to location and where he puts that four seam, because we know. Verlander loves to use that four seam. He uses that four seam 50% of the time compared to his curveball, which is just 28%. Um, just, sorry, um, his slider, 20%. And then he uses that curveball. But he has held opponents to 194 average on his four seam. So seven, we, we got Bader. Bader has, as well, been a spark for the Yankees in this postseason. We know he... He missed quite some time in the regular season, so the Yankees are glad that he's back. He's hit three home runs. Eighth, we got Connor Falefa. They, I saw they added Peraza to the ALCS roster. I'm very excited about Peraza. At the ninth, we got Trevino. This is kind of a underest- underestimated stat here, but with runners in scoring position in the regular season, Trevino hit three fifty five with a nine. One OPS and 31 RBI. Yes, Judge had a higher OPS. He did have a lower average, and he did have more RBIs, but that's something to take into consideration that Trevino can provide, and he can come through in the big moments. So um, I'm kind of intrigued with how the Yankees may play out their bench. So Matt, what are you thinking with the Yankees bench and how they may platoon certain players. Yeah, you know, with the Yankees, and one thing is I'm just fascinated by Matt Carpenter because this is the dude who, listen, in the offseason, it looked like his career was finished. Then he, you know, he signed with the Texas Rangers. That didn't really work out, but he adjusted his swing. And he kind of, the things you heard was, oh, it was kind of, he did the same things Joey Votto did. And it's like, okay, but listen, that's, that kind of doesn't really work for everyone. And listen, most of these guys, if this is how they're playing in their late 30s, they're finished. And then you saw what he did after he joined the Yankees. It was, it, w- it wasn't even turning back the clock because that amount of power from him 
we haven't really seen before. And it's like he just became a Bash brother. And then obviously the injury kind of derailed them late in the year. That was a big blow for them. And it was kind of ironic because you would never think losing Matt Carpenter, especially that age, would be a big blow. But because of how well he was hitting, coming through in such key situations, you know, I think Matt Carpenter is really the guy who I'm focused the most on just in terms of the Yankees lineup in general. But again, one thing I do want to ask you is because this is the Yankees and Astros. Yankees lost in the series against Houston this season. Astros went 5-2 and two in the regular season against New York. And listen, we also know the playoff history between these two teams, especially in the ALCS. And listen, you had 2019. Astros win that series in six games. You have 2018. Fortunately, hey, Yankees avoided them. But 2017, ALCS, Game 7. But still, Yankees lose. And again, this is a New York team. Obviously, teams can be different every year, different players. At the same time, this is a team who we have consistently seen fall up, sh- fall in short in October. And we're right there again. And it's kind of the question of how do you feel against what has become the most hated rival in terms of stakes? You know, because listen, Boston, we know the history there. But in terms of everything on the line, Going to the World Series, Houston has been the wall preventing New York from getting there. So how are you feeling as a Yankee fan heading into this series where, listen, we have to view Houston as a favorite. They have the best lineup. They have the best rotation. They have the best depth and bullpen. So how are you feeling about this upcoming ALCS, which is we're about 20 minutes away from? So, Matt, I think from Aaron Boone's perspective – and where he stands right now, I think he knows what the Yankees need to do. I think he knows that they need home runs. Their bullpen and their rotation need to limit and contain the Astros' offense as much as they can. But again, what just to reiterate what you just said, if you take a look at the Astros' lineup, the talents there throughout the entire organization as a whole, they have a ton of depth. It's all there. There's really not too many flaws in their in their lineup, except maybe a few outfield, a few outfielders. Chas McCormick might be someone to target. Although he's had a nice postseason, but as just in general, with the history that these two teams have, um, going into the series, um, don't really have a clear answer for who I think will come out on top. But considering the history, I'm not too optimistic about it, but I'm just hoping for the best. So now, going back to these two lineups. So earlier today, I was looking into a article written on MLB.com by Mike Petriello. So, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but he pretty much gave a whole, his article was based off of the fact, and he gave, listed a few do's and don'ts when facing Jordan Alvarez. So I want to pull up a few hot charts, a few hot and cold charts, and just a few like splits, and just to see where exactly and how the Yankees can face and how what the Yankees can do to challenge Jordan as much as they can because we know what teams have done to try to avoid Jordan. They've blocked him 
intentionally in the postseason. We saw what the Mariners did with Robbie Ray. They brought him in after Scott Servais did say that they didn't bring in Robbie Ray because of who Robbie Ray is. They brought him in for a specific pitch. Because if you look at the charts, you see that Jordan does struggle against left-handed pitchers when he is facing low fastballs, fastballs in, in the inner part of the plate. He does struggle with those. And for right-handers, his weak spot is that high fastball. Again, it's still Jordan Alvarez, so you're going to end up with some sort of bat-to-ball or maybe even a strikeout. But I think for the Yankees, what they need to do is just attack him as much as they can. Because if you look at the Yankees and their pitching staff, they're obviously missing a few key guys. They're missing Marinaccio. They're missing Michael King. They're missing Chad Green. But they do have those guys, those guys who can staple three, four innings. Jonathan Loisega has been extraordinary this postseason. you got Clay Holmes. Wendy Peralta appeared in all five Division Series games. Clark Schmidt did have that. He did kind of collapse in that game three. But you do have those guys who you can turn to. You do have Lou Trevino. They added Greg Weiser. So I think for the Yankees, it's just about attacking Jordan and attacking this Astros lineup. A guy like Jose Altuve, who's been struggling all postseason so far. Teams have contained him quite well. Jordan is being Jordan. Alex Bregman will be Alex Bregman. There's no doubt that the Astros will get to the Yankees pitching staff at some point in this series. But for the Yankees, it's all about just producing and not getting to their heads. Not It's, it's really all about just how the lineup reacts to this deep Houston rotation at bullpen. Yeah, and you know what thing I will say, because like, and this is the thing, that Yankee game, obviously where they blew the lead to Cleveland, again, they advanced, but I do want to be fair to Clark Schmidt, because again, he was put into a bad situation. I mean, he, you know, Monty Peralta was kind of stretched out, and then you had the two runners on, and at that point, progressive field was just, it was an atmosphere that is fit for October and you bring Schmidt in. Listen, he's done some good things, but that's also very intense and pressure filled atmosphere to bring a guy into. So, you know, I kind of want to give him a pass for it. Cause I think if you put him more into clean situations, I think that's the situation where I'll trust him more. But again, with the Yankees, you know, you mentioned it depends on how these guys perform against the Astros depth of pitching. And I'm just not confident they come through. Because, listen, we've seen Aaron Judge get cold in October. We're seeing Gleyber Torres as much as he likes to, you know, mock Josh Naylor for the celebra- for rocking the cradle. We haven't seen him come through, really. And then so you're talking about, okay, well, that's the top of your lineup. Gleyber's not doing much. If Judge isn't swinging a hot bat, that's going to be a problem. Rizzo's been productive October. John Carlos Sutton. <laughs> Young Carlos Stanton came through with big home runs, but Josh Johnson's not someone I trust. Carpenter, we discussed someone I like. Harrison Bader is another one where it's like, listen, very good, but also there's there can be a lot of swing and miss there. And this is also, hey, 
Cal Quantrill's not in the playoffs anymore. He just got knocked out. So how is Harrison Bader against every other pitcher? And there's those are my concerns because, listen, to me, when I always looked at the Yankees lineup, it was the bottom of the lineup there's concerns. And now if you're telling me that Glaber and Judge are going to be cold, then I think that's a big problem that, listen, if this starts getting to three one games, four two, et cetera, then I think Houston's bullpen they're just going to come through and dominate. Because, listen, just speaking to the depth of the bullpen, this is a team that went 18 innings against Seattle, one of the second longest game in playoff history, by like two minutes. And it's because Houston's pitching depth. And so I think that's, I think that's going to be the thing that could swing the series. But the Astros don't have that lefty. If you look at their staff, their only lefty is Valdez. And again, the Yankees this season, in the regular season, they have fared better against right-handing pitching. They've hit over 100 more home runs against righties as opposed to lefties. Their average is slightly higher against lefties. They do hit fair 241 against lefties as opposed to 241 against righties. But again, what is critical for the Yankees is that home run ball, that long ball. You know that judge broke the AL record earlier this season. Stanton hit 30. Torres got to 20. So it's quite vital that the Yankees can produce off of these Astros pitchers because when it comes down, what it all boils down to is when in, in those light innings, what what will you use with those light innings? Will the Yankees attack those right-handers? Will they attack guys like Seth Martinez? Will they attack guys like Rafael Montero, Hector Neris, Presley, Stanek? Their bullpen can go on and on. They have guys who throw quite hard. And this isn't something to dismiss because the Astros will attack the Yankees lineup. And the Yankees need to be ready. So I think that's kind of what needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would say in terms of the lefty-righty thing, because you mentioned that, listen, that... Houston doesn't have many really lefties that can count upon except for one. But listen, let's also talk about some of the guys in the Yankees lineup. Josh Donaldson, uh, mediocre at best, 675 OPS against right-handed pitching. Then you have Jose Trevino, 616. You know, if these guys in the lineup, like what, what are they, are they really going to come through for you? I mean, Glaber Torres slightly better, 736. But again, if he's already been cold in October, I'm kind of going to knock that down further. And so I think, listen, there are some of these guys. I mean, Judge had a 1142 OPS. Matt Carpenter, 1,000 OPS against right-handed pitching. Stanton can do very well. But again, it's just there's these specific holes in the lineup where I think I have concerns about them being cold right now or them just not being very good hitters in general. And so if you're giving those automatic outs at the bottom lineup and those guys near the top can't come through, that's where my concern is. And again, as you said, it will come down to home runs. And listen, if it's going to happen, yes, New York is fully capable of just going nuclear 
becoming the Bash Brothers and crushing the Astros out of the postseason, I'm just not entirely sure that's going to happen. And this hasn't worked out too well for Aaron Boone either. Because originally what they hoped to do is they wanted to have Garrett Cole earlier on, early on this series. They wanted to give him the ball game one and game two. But since the that series went to five, since that series went to five, now you have Ty Young going game one. And Seve's ready for game two. Game three is undecided as of now. But the Yankees are kind of messed over for this series. And their bullpen is on short rest now. They flew from the Bronx to Houston in the span of just under 24 hours. And now they're playing game one with limited availability in their bullpen. And they're going to use guys back-to-back. We saw Boone stating that Clay Holmes wouldn't be available in back-to-back games. And surprisingly, he, he was available for back-to-back games between Game 4 and Game 5, but he pitched in Game 5. Wendy Peralta, as I said before, he played in all five, pitched in all five games. So Cortez pitched twice in that series. So the Yankees are going to have to work something out. I think Boone and Matt Blake, I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm sure at some point they're going to end up just tossing out their bullpen and emptying out their bullpen when everyone's ready. And a guy like Domingo Herman, he hasn't appeared in the postseason yet. They've used Tyone. He did pitch a few nice innings in game five. He kind of messed them up in game four. But again, this is a team that will attack you. The Houston Astros and the Yankees will have to be ready at by all means. And as you said, Matt, this history between these two teams and the fact that Yankees fans will trash Jose Altuve the minute the, the game comes to the Bronx. By the way, I do want to add one thing because you mentioned just how much has been put, how much of a workload has been put on the Yankees. And this is from pointed out by Mike Petriello of MLB.com. If the ALCS goes seven games, the Yankees will have played eight games in nine days. Maybe they win, but that gives me significant concern about what they're, where they will be at in the World Series in terms of the, how much is left in the gas tank. They did add Greg Weissert. They did get Frankie Montas back, which is big. Those guys can eat innings. Montas, as we've seen, can eat innings, but he's not had the season he wanted. He went from an Oakland A's team, which, as we know, is quite hapless, but at the same time, he pitched quite well in Oakland, and the minute he came to New York, he completely shut down. So I'm kind of nervous as to how he will pitch if he makes an appearance, but I'm excited about this Weissert guy, Weissert kid. We've seen his nasty stuff. His slider is absolutely disgusting. It's filth. And he can eat one or two innings. So I think what 
will happen is that they will end up stretching guys out. We saw in the Guardian series, they kind of limited the long the length of each like Wiseaga in game four. He was the, the Boone kind of limited the length of their outings. Wiseaga barely went through an inning. He only threw 15, 16 pitches. Holmes barely went through an inning as well. So I think that's something to note also because we know these guys can eat several innings. So while they did empty out their entire bullpen in the Cleveland series, I think that they were smart with, and I think Boone touched, pressed the right buttons. So while they might not have all them on three, four days rest, I think they definitely have the capacity to go the distance and kind of contain the Astros lineup as to their best of their ability. Absolutely. You know, I do. Cause obviously this game is about where, you know, we're just minutes away from first pitch. So I think, we should end it with one, a prediction for game one, and then two, a prediction for what the World Series matchup we will be getting a week from now is. So I'm going to have to be bold here. I'm calling 6-5 Astros, ninth inning catastrophe for the Yankees. Yankees have a 5-3 lead going to the ninth, and they bring in Clay Holmes. He gives up two runs, and then they bring in Loisega, and he gives up the winning run. That's kind of my prediction. Matt, what are you thinking? 